welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. Hope everyone is doing well this week. Uh, I'll be upfront with you guys. I haven't really been watching much of the seasonal anime for the past month or so. Uh, since the last episode, I kind of had to focus on finishing the Oscars Death Race, uh, my other podcast, uh, um, and which involved watching a bunch of movies uh, before the Oscar ceremony. And then after that, in the past couple of weeks or so, one, a little bit burned out on just watching a lot of media um, after the uh, seasonal anime previews and then the Oscars death race. But also, uh, my seasonal allergies have been starting to act up, uh, which is basically draining my energy to do anything, uh, pretty much, including watching anime. Um, we'll see if hopefully by the time next episode comes around, if I've broken out of that funk, um, uh, you know, likely you know, I'm not going to be finishing up on every anime that I that I listed out last episode um, with just the amount of time left before the season ends. We're already about at the halfway point. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, that being said, I actually did, I will say I did actually make time to watch some anime, um, a long overdue so on my plan to watch list. Uh, with the release of the movie, I finally sat down to watch arguably the biggest Soden series around right now, Demon Slayer, also known as Kimetsu no Yaiba. Now, we actually briefly covered Demon Slayer last year. I have another podcast called the Box Office Watch Podcast, uh, where, and when Demon Slayer started breaking all sorts of records when it came to the box office when it first released in Japan, I did a bit of a crossover with myself uh, talking about, you know, up about that bit of news. Um, we'll have some updates on that at the end of the episode. Um, I somehow, though, missed the train, no pun intended, uh, on actually watching the initial simulcast of Demon Slayer, uh, but once the movie started breaking records, I knew I would have, and when it, it would come to the states at some point um and then i would probably need to you know watch the anime before watching the the, the movie in theaters um now with my friend visiting new york this past weekend and both of us a couple weeks out from our second vaccine dose um it also it made for a great time to return to movie theaters um after being over a year away definitely really enjoyed that experience um obviously i'll be talking about the general premise of the series moving forward so you have been warned for like spoilers i'll let you guys know if i get into more deeper spoilery stuff from here, but yeah, let's get into Demon Slayer. So, Kimetsu no Yaiba, uh, as with many popular series out there, this one has its origin as a manga from Weekly Shonen Jump, uh, the work of one Koyoharu Gotoge. Now, I'm not 100% sure if that's their real name or not, um, since not much is known about them in general. Uh, we do know they were born in Fukuoka Prefecture in southwest Japan in 1989, uh, so they're in their early 30s or so, um, and reportedly Gotoge-sensei is a woman, though that has yet to be fully confirmed. Uh, they are often referred to as Crocodile-sensei, say uh, in the English fandom given that their avatar in the author's notes section of the magazine is a respectable respectable crocodile. Uh, in any case, uh, they had their debut in Sonen Jump with a num number of one-shot series from 2013 through 2015, though none of them ended up actually getting picked up for serialization. Many of them have elements from, from Demon Slayer present, uh, with their first, Kagari Ka Gari, uh, involving a sword-wielding boy hunting vampires. Uh, influences reportedly on Gotoge Sensei's work, at least from Jump, include Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Naruto, Bleach, and Gintama, uh, which makes sense, I guess, given that that's you know, the age range of when they were younger and reading Jump would have been in the magazine at the time. 
Now, as noted, Demon Slayer, or Kimetsu no Yaiba, is Gotoge Sensei's first actual serialized work in Jump. Uh, it began serialization in February 2016 and ran for 205 chapters, or 23 volumes, through May 2020. Uh, it's set during the Taisho period of Japan's history between 1912 and 1926 or so, after the Meiji period depicted in Rurouni Kenshin, but before the more militaristic Sowa period of World War II. It follows the story of a young rural boy, Tanjiro, who lives with his family of five siblings and their single mother, their sickly father having died before the series began. Uh, he supports his family by going down the mountain uh, to sell charcoal in the local villages. Uh, on one such trip, he has to spend the night in town since he can't get home before sundown and the local innkeeper is insistent that it's not safe to be wandering around at night since demons uh, come out during the night. Uh, now, returning home the next morning, Tanjiro finds that his entire family has been killed in a bloodbath uh, with his younger sister Nezuko, the second eldest, still alive, if barely. Uh, side note, I'm curious how they survived all those years without having any demons attack them, uh, but that's maybe answered later on in the story. Um, in any case, uh, as Tanjiro brings her down the village to try and get help, uh, she awakens and begins to attack him uh, in a berserker frenzy. Um, long story short, a passing swordsman tells him that C and the rest of his family have been the victim of a demon attack and that C's been turned into a demon herself and that he, the swordsman, would need to put her down. Uh, Tanjiro fights back to try to protect his sister, but he's knocked out by the uh, by the swordsman. Uh, but then surprisingly, Nezuko, who should have lost all sense at this point of humanity, uh, begins to protect her brother from the swordsman. Um, when Tanjiro comes to, the swordsman has gagged Nezuko but not killed her, and he instructs Tanjiro to take her to a particular mountain where he'll find a, a mentor who will train him to become a titular demon slayer. So this is all covered in the first episode of the anime, which you know aired from April through September 2019 in over 26 episodes. Uh, the anime was produced by Studio Ufo Table um, or Ufo Table, uh, which is probably best known for their work animating the 2011 Fate Zero series and the 2014 Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Work series, as well as the Fate Stay Night Heaven's Field movies, uh, with their signature style being their stunning use of CG and particle effects alongside 2D animation and 3D backgrounds. Um, now, Demon Slayer was directed by one Haruo Sotozaki, uh, whose previous directorial works were also at Ufa Table, directing the Tales of Symphonia OVAs and the adaptation of the Tales of Zestria video games. Or Zestria video games. Um, the 26-episode anime adaptation covers the first 52 chapters of the manga, so about a quarter of the way through, uh, and covers six arcs. The final selection arc, um, the first mission arc, Asakusa arc, uh, Chizumi Manson arc, uh, Natagumo Mountain arc, and the Rehabilitation Training arc. Uh, in addition, the Demon Slayer Infinity Train movie covered another 17-chapter arc, appropriately enough, the Infinity Train arc. Um, so, so far, 69 nice uh, chapters have been adapted so far. With season 2 set to come out later this year, if they do the same pacing as season 1, that should be able to cover the next two arcs, which have 30 and 28 chapters respectively, assuming it's a two-core season, though they may be able to squeeze in another nine-chapter training arc in as well. Um, and after that, there would be another 69 chapters for the final two arcs, uh, one at 47 chapters long and another at 22. I could see the 47-chapter arc being a season in and of itself, uh, with the final arc being another movie adaptation based off the success of the Infinity Train movie. Uh, anyway, getting into the nitty-gritty of my thoughts about the anime specifically, uh, which obviously, again, warning, involves a more spoilery talk, um, I think story-wise, it's a 
pretty competent series, if a bit basic and compared to other shonen series out there. There's a boy with the basic quest to become strong to try to find a way to turn his demon kid sister back into a human. Now, over the course of the series, we slowly find out more about the ultimate big bad of the world, a demon named Muzan Kibutsuji, uh, who is the only one who can create demons and thus must be the one who turned his sister into his demon. We learn more about him and what he wants, but at its core, the series is really a very personal story look at the two characters, Nezuko and Tanjiro, and their relationship with each other and their bond. That emotional core of the story is very rock solid, if, again, um, you know, uh, a really basic concept overall. Um, now, I actually appreciate this tone the series took uh, for the first 10 or so episodes of the anime uh, through Tanjiro's training arc and his first mission. It was a pretty grim and kind of serious tone uh, in contrast to the generally more bright or even lighthearted tone of other Soda Jump classics like The Big Three, Naruto, One Piece, or even Bleach. Uh, like, okay, maybe it's not, maybe those series weren't happy per se uh, early on, um, you know, especially Bleach, but there it's always a fuck yeah, I'm going to follow these characters' journeys kind of feeling after, say, you know, Naruto unused, unleashed all his Shadow Clone Jutsu the first time, or when Ichigo turned into a Soul Reaper for the very first time. There's like a, oh, in, in this series, in for, for Demon Slayer though, it's like, oh shit, Tanjiro and Nezuko are fucked, and they have a real uphill fight before them. I'm not even sure they'll be able to, to make it past all this. Um, so, you know, while there is also a training arc early on, uh, you know, compared to, you know, Naruto training or, or uh, Ichigo learning to how to use his powers, um, Tanjiro learns to use his water breathing technique and, you know, and there's also a first, you know, mission arc similar to the Zabuza arc of Naruto. Um, the difference is Demon Slayer instead focuses on building instead of bringing using these arcs to do more world building and bring in more side characters so you know in the Naruto arcs you'd bring in uh, Sasuke and uh, Sakura and Kakashi to build out the world here it's like yes you do have some side characters but the real focus is on Tanjiro's growth since you know most of the characters while I'm sure we'll see them again uh, only stick around for that one arc or so um you know, Demon Slayer really builds builds up Tanjiro, which again makes sense, right? Like he was basically a normal boy, if you know, had a very kind heart, which seems to be his defining trait um, early on. Like he didn't really have any superpowers per se, as opposed to Naruto, who has like you know, the fox trapped inside him, or Ichigo, who's later revealed has some special power within him or so, or whatnot that makes him special, right? Um, Tanjiro needs to develop his water breathing technique in order to fight, um, and his combat powers from the ground up. Now it's only about 10 episodes in or so in the second mission when Tanjiro um, starts bringing in the, Demon Slayer brings in that supporting cast for Tanjiro in the form of Zenitsu the you know the lightning uh, demon slayer who's a bit of a coward and Inosuke the boar-headed um, demon slayer as well now I'll have to say I kind of mix mixed feelings about those two on the surface level, I enjoy them. I enjoy their antics. I find them pretty funny and entertaining and comedic to a degree. Um, that said, taking a step back and looking at the larger whole, I kind of miss that darker, honest feeling I had early on when it felt like it was this Tanjiro and Nezuko against the world. Yeah, there was a bit of comic relief here and there, but maybe once an episode at most, whereas with Zenitsu and Inosuke, it started becoming much more freaking like every couple of minutes there was some sort of comic relief. Um, so kind of like muddied that sense of the of the series for me. Um, so far, again, as an anime-only fan, uh, you know their characterization. In fact, the characterization of most people in the series, including Tanjiro, are pretty one note. Um, Tanjiro's monologues, for example, are you know his internal monologues are very straightforward and kind of repetitive in a typical Sonen prota uh, protagonist uh, vein. Um, 
without really getting much depth to his character, at least in the first 26 episodes or so. Um, now, I think if that, that aside, like characterization, I think is, is, is passable. If there is one weakness, and again, this is, this is a relative weakness compared to its peers. Um, it's not necessarily a ding against the show itself, but its world building isn't quite as expansive, right? If Naruto and Bleach's world building were like at a four or a five out of five, um, Demon Slayer's probably is like a two, maybe three at most. Um, and that's fine. It may not be what you're looking for a series, but on the other hand, maybe it is. You know, obviously I haven't finished the series fully as an anime only, but knowing we're about a quarter way through the series, in comparison, a quarter of the way through Naruto, we're already almost to the Sasuke re- re- recovery mission at the arc. At which point, we already knew about all the other ninjas in the village, all about all the other villages out there even. Um, and in Bleach, we were just wrapping up the Soul Society arc. Um, and sure, those series had maybe three to four times the number of total chapters Demon Slayers ended up having, but even looking at similarly sized series, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho had only 175 chapters, and a quarter of the way through, we already had a lot more information about the demon world in general. Salmon King was a bit longer at 300 chapters, but at a comparable point, you know, we were already fighting other salmons, and you had a sense of how salmons in the world worked. Um, and even the current jump series, Jujutsu Kaisen, has had fewer chap- chapters so far, about 150 or so. Um, but, you know, comparing the two. Uh, anime adaptations against each other which cover the comparable amount of chapters uh, I feel the world of Jujutsu Kaisen is so much more developed I think than that of uh, Demon Slayer um, again this is all pretty subjective for me um, and, and, and in terms of what feels like bigger world building um, but you know if that's what is what you want from your Sonen series um, this feels pretty lacking like uh, another comparison point is at this point we're only just introduced to the equivalent of the Gote 13 from Bleach um, who at this point in Bleach you already had all of you know much more fleshed out at that point uh, perhaps though that may be part of Demon Slayer's success, right? Like maybe people don't want to be bogged down with so many chapters of uh, world building and such that, you know, it's hard for them to keep track of it all, um, which I know can be a turnoff for some people when watching Naruto. Um, so maybe that's part of the appeal here where you're focusing, you know, the casual audiences, or not even casual audience, but some anime viewers only want to have like that core emotional story between Tanjiro, Nezuko, and maybe their close circle of friends, and there is a world around them, but not quite as big. It's a much more personal story, as opposed to Naruto, where part of the appeal was being able to imagine yourself living in this fully fleshed out and realized world. Um, And also, you know, to Demon Slayer's credit, the fact that they were able to tell a complete story in only 200 chapters, that feels pretty epic uh, to to a certain degree, which Naruto and Bleach, you know, took over 600 chapters chapters each and almost 700 700 for Naruto, uh, much less, you know, One Piece with over a thousand chapters. But, you know, the fact that Demon Slayer was able to tell such a full story um, in a concrete, in a a more concise period of time... um, Without, I don't think being cancelled really. I think this was a choice of the author to end the series. I think they want to do a sci-fi rom-com next. Um, is a credit to them to be able to tell that complete story. So, again, I think it all comes down to what you look for in your Sonin series. Me personally, uh, I'm someone who loves the world building kind of. So maybe that that's that's why Demon Slayer doesn't quite hit for me the same way as it does for maybe someone else. 
Again, not to say what we don't have is a great idea. Enjoy it. I know as a kid, you know, I broke a bunch of umbrellas, swinging them around, re recreating moves from Roroni Kenshin. And if I were any younger, I'd probably be doing the same thing right now uh, with the moves from whatever breathing style I latched onto. Heck, I'd probably make up my own breathing style. Um, which I think I think this is a good point to talk about, you know, why this so blew up, since the breathing style animations from UFO Table had a big part to it. Uh, spoilers for episode 19 uh, right after this. So, as many in the anime community know at this point, but in case you didn't, uh, episode 19 was the one where a clip of it went viral on Twitter and social media after it aired, which led to Demon Slayer's meteoric rising success, uh, more specifically how successful in a little bit. Now, having watched the series, you know, over two days and binging it, I will say that animation-wise, I think the fight in episode 19, while... No, sir, there is definitely a clear extra Sakuga budget being given to it in, you know, in the form of impact frames and animation and so on. Um, to build to that moment, uh, it wasn't like it was a complete outlier from all the other amazing fight sequences we had had up to that point. In particular, I really liked the fight sequence. Um, I forget which exact episode, but the one uh, with the arrow demon, I think that was really done well and creative. Um, and not to mention, you know, the mansion demon, um, the way that that fight played out, especially with the 3D background, as many YouTubers online have pointed out, uh, completely upped the uh, the the depiction of that fight within the manga. Um, anyway, um, but again, UFO Table has shown, not only in this series, but in many others, that they are very competent when it comes to doing fighting an fight animation. So again, it's and even, even to some degree, right? Like looking at other shows that aired in a similar time frame, you know, Attack on Titan Season 3, Part 2, Mob Psycho Part 2, uh, Season 2, Season 1 of Fire Force, those all had also just as great animation. Um, so, you know, and, and I don't think even animation might be the right term I want to use. I think maybe composition is the real secret behind Demon Slayer's visual style that looks so great. Um, you know, the sword styles, as we mentioned, called the breathing, the breathing styles, um, are inspired by different elemental attacks, you know, fire, water, electricity, beast, apparently, and so on, uh, with visual representations of these styles being particle effects I've talked about, you know, mimicking whatever elemental um, uh, is, is inspiring the attack. Though, apparently in-universe, when Tanjiro uses a water-breathing technique, it's not like he's summoning water, just a visual representation. Now, the water style in particular looks really great because it, it, it takes from the ukiyo-e um, woodcut-style effects, you know, the Great Wave of Japan, overlaid on top of the already great 3D backgrounds and 2D character art um, to really add a sense of motion and power to the moves in question. So... That already been done throughout. Um, they definitely upped at a little bit in this episode, though not to a degree that I I don't think I, I think it would be a bit of a hyperbole to say you'd never seen this kind of animation before. Um, this so anyway, episode nineteen. You mean, the animation wise looks great, obviously, um, as the rest of the series did. Um, now I think why this particular series kind of took off is that. If you were watching the series, at this point, so Panjiro is fighting his strongest foe yet, the, the spider demon. Now, there was a this, this was a culmination in story of many different factors um, that just added to the emotional complexity of the scene. Uh, one, we had never quite really learned much about Tanjiro's father thus far, but for some reason, Tanjiro in the middle of fighting remembers his father dancing. Um... Granted, I will say I kind of wish there had been a little bit more foreshadowing of this uh, before this came up. It's kind of like really random to just come up to this point. But um, the fact that we are getting a peek into Tanjiro's past potentially where this, you know, this mysterious dance his father did seems to be related to 
you know, flame and being able to use it for combat. Um, his water effects change to his water particle effects changing to fire. Pretty cool visually changing from you know blue to red. Uh, then two, uh, we had been teased to this point that demons have what are known as blood demon art powers. Uh, the, the the spider demon in question, you know, being able to use super strong threads in combat. Uh, well, you know, of, at, at this point, Nezuko, who, remember, is a demon, hadn't shown that he's exhibited any of these powers yet, but during this battle, she actually, for the first time, unleashes the exploding blood demon art technique. Uh, so two, that's, a, that's another new thing. And then three, you know, the aforementioned foe, the spider demon that Tanjiro is facing, has been obsessed with recreating familial bonds between himself and other demons, something not the norm for demon kind. Um, so, you know, this is the class of ideals of the fake demon bonds versus real familial bonds between Tanjiro and Nezuko, which, again, is kind of the core conceit of the show. Um, so, you know, Tanjiro, Nezuko leveling up, bringing in their father, fighting against a fake bond with their real bond, um, add on the classic, you know, changing the ending song to be something different than normal, um, with, you know, overlaid with images of Tanjiro and his father, um, really hinting at this is where the world kind of opens up, right? Like, I kind of said the world building was really limited. Um, I think this point is where that world kind of opened up where you realize, oh, there's something about Tanjiro and his father here that's really special and we're going to find out in a little bit. Um, side note, I'm speaking about the songs real quick. Uh, Lisa's Gurenge, which is the opening song, definite banger. I definitely appreciate that. Um, but anyway, um, it makes it makes complete sense why when you watch this fight, you would get completely hyped up as a watcher of the anime and want to share it. Now, obviously, right, like, if you haven't been watching the anime, you don't get any of that. You just see the amazing animation. But the important part here is that Ufo Table, they know that as an anime watcher, this is going to be the climactic moment of arguably the entire season of, of anime, right? This is the point, like I said, where that story and the world opens up. So they definitely put that extra money into it and that extra sakuga into it to make it look really good. So... This is Ufo Table at their peak, arguably, and in that sense, right, that basically makes the anime look that much better, even if you don't really get the context, and that's why this clip, I think, really transcended um, not even just, like, you know, the anime community, but even mainstream media started picking up on this and people getting into Demon Slayer and, and kind of submitted its status as one of the gateway uh, anime, so to speak. Though, funnily enough, uh, I will say it's kind of funny that at the beginning of episode 20, uh, the importance of this moment is kind of reversed because it turns out that the attack actually didn't kill the demon and something else will come in and do that. But uh, point being that clickbait has been achieved by this point, so it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, anyway, so Demon Slayer's success can be traced back to clips of episode 19 going viral on Twitter and social media, but what does that success look like? Well, in Japan, they keep track of how many volumes of each manga get sold. Uh, ever since media company Oricon started tracking it back in 2008, One Piece has always stood at the top of the charts, with even the super popular Attack on Titan not being able to claim its throne. But at the end of 2019, again, after Demon Slayer completed running, um, at the end of 2019 rankings for best-selling manga series, that 11-year rec record ended with Demon Slayer as a series outselling One Piece, with 12 million volumes sold from November 2018 to, no to November 2019, compared to One Piece's 10 million being sold. Now, One Piece still had the most of any individual volume sold. In fact, it had the top four slots for, with volumes 91 through 94, so each selling about 2 million volumes each, with the other 2 million coming from sales of the back catalog of the first what, 90 volumes. Uh, however, Demon Slayer's numbers come from people, after watching the anime, 
going back to buy the, at the time, 17 volumes of Demon Slayer that had been released up to that point, with sales ranging from 630,000 volumes being sold to up to 926,000 volumes being sold. Still, impressive that the manga anime was able to get people invested enough in the series to go back and buy all of that manga. And then in 2020, things get a little bit even crazier. So as of November 2020, so before the 23rd and final volume was released, the top two selling volumes were the 22 Demon Slayer volumes that had been released. That's right, individual volumes, right? So you know, Demon Slayer 1, Demon Slayer 2, like those in each individual volume, Took the 22 volumes took the top 22 spots of volumes being sold, um, with sales ranging from 4.3 million of those released at the end of the year to 2.6 million of those released just before uh, the number collection had been completed. Um, not to mention, you know, special edition volumes that each sold 1.6 million each. Uh, One Piece, which you know took the 23rd spot and 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 24th spot. 23rd, 24th, and 25th spot, um, in comparison, only had two volumes released in 2020, plus the extra volumes released in, in December 2019, as opposed to the normal four volumes being released, uh, with sales in the 1.8 to 2 million range each. So, all told, Demon Slayer sold 82 million volumes in 2020, compared to One Piece's 7.7 million total. Now, again, this is people going back to the backlog as opposed to getting the most recent series, but still, Again, credit to Demon Slayer for being able to do this, not taking anything away from them. Uh, we'll see if by the end of 2021, the hype has died out now that there are no more volumes being come out and maybe everyone who's going to buy Demon Slayer has bought all their volumes already. Um, but we'll see. Between the movie and the upcoming second season, that could be reminding people that, hey, you should maybe they didn't go uh, buy the manga if they're waiting to see it um, in the anime. Um, so it, we might not be done yet. Also, recently, side note, uh, recent charts have shown that Jujutsu Kaisen actually, after completing their anime series, have actually started to catch up to total number of manga sales and actually surpassed on the monthly charts uh, Jujutsu Kaisen beating Demon Slayer uh, with 6 million sold versus Demon, uh, Demon Slayer's 2 million. Um, and of course, you know, we haven't had that many One Piece volumes being released this year. Um, I don't think it'll be the top, if, even if you know, it'll, 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 be, it'll be a tight race for the top one for the year, um, but not many One Piece volumes have sold out. The one that has sold out, I think, made about $2 million, $2 million volumes sold in the, uh, the, the month it came out. Now, Demon Slayer's success and popularity not only translates to manga sales, but also to theatrical success. Again, I already covered this on my other podcast, Box Office Watch, but here are the highlights, uh, you know, to recap. The Demon Slayer Infinity Train movie covers the next canon arc, as we noted, of the Demon Slayer story, so it basically is the only way to see this part of the story animated, which I think is part of its success, uh, as opposed to, you know, other anime movies that tell side stories that aren't really crucial to the main storyline. It released in Japan October 16, 2020. Uh, its opening day gross was 1.2 billion yen, with total opening weekend being 4.6 billion yen, or about 42 million US dollars. Uh, this is the all-time highest-grossing weekend in Japan. Uh, the previous opening weekend record was The Matrix Reloaded in 2003. It opened to only 2.2 billion yen, or about 20 million US dollars. Obviously, this was during the pandemic, but it was good enough to be the highest-grossing film worldwide that weekend, the first time I believe a Japanese film has ever done so. Uh, there are literally too many records for me to list, such as fastest to 10 billion yen, or highest-grossing IMAX film in Japan, or most admissions ever, 
But after 73 days, it crossed 32.48 billion yen or about $297 million uh, to be the highest grossing film in Japanese domestic box office history, surpassing Studio Ghibli's Spirit of the Way. It's it stayed at number one in the box office for 15 weeks in a row, though it actually had 16 weeks at number one because it came back week 21. Um, anyway, it's still in theaters to this day, actually, with its lowest placement ever being seventh place uh, and still making a couple hundred thousand dollars each weekend. Um, by the end of 2020, it was solidly in the top three highest grossing films of the year behind a couple of Chinese films that were released in a mostly recovered China. Uh, internationally, relative to Japan, uh, it's done pretty well. Uh, in fact, with a rollout across Asia, uh, South Korea, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and much of Southeast Asia, as well as in Australia, as of February, it actually beat Spirit of the Way for not only highest-grossing film domestically in Japan, but also highest-grossing anime and Japanese film worldwide. And then la late last month, it was actually released here in North America, not counting a limited run in Miami to try to qualify for the Oscars, um, and also in South and Central America. Um, and with that release, you know, well, here in the States, it lost out to Mortal Kombat by only a couple hundred thousand of dollars. Um, but in its second weekend, it actually topped Mortal Kombat to be the highest grossing film in the States. Um, the second time an anime and Japanese film has ever done so, after the Pokemon movie in 1999, uh, and possibly it might be the highest grossing foreign language film in the States uh, since 2002 with Jet Li's Hero. And what's more, you know, Pokemon aside, which you know, I think made $80 million here in the States, um, it's the second highest grossing anime film of all time in the States, making $34 million to date, beating out Dragon Ball Super Broly, which I think made only $30 million. And it still has another weekend to go, I believe. Now, to take the icing on the cake, with the North American release, and without even the China release, where it's super popular over there, Demon Slayer Infinity Train is officially the highest grossing film released in 2020, with over 473 million US dollars worldwide, compared to China's The 800, making 450 million dollars or so. So yeah, Demon Slayer's a big deal. Now, obviously the financial success of the movie is a story in and of itself, but what did I think of the story within the movie? Again, movie spoilers moving forward. I think the movie definitely did a lot to make me like Tanjiro as a character a lot more. Where my complaint earlier was that he felt kind of one note very basic as a certain protagonist and somewhat underdeveloped, uh, the dream sequences in the movie where he resolves to basically kill himself over and over again in order to escape the dream, to be able to fight, uh, even if it means leaving a happy dream life with his you know, lost family, really strengthened his character in my eyes and brought back some of that darkness from the uh, original, uh, from the first couple of arcs. Uh, one thing I haven't mentioned up to this point is the creativity Gotoga Sensei has with designing the various demons' powers. Um, it's pretty up there compared to you know it, it, with, against some of the peers, um, if perhaps not as crunchy and some of the details of the world building it would have otherwise. Um, and the stick of this demon was no less unique. Uh, I will say that Rengoku, the flame Hashira in the film, I had initially pegged as potentially being someone who might double-cross Tanjiro for one reason or another. Uh, perhaps it was his character design with his unblinking eyes, or his very straightforward, earnest personality and being described as valuing strength. Um, I think part of it was also his earnest refusal to accept uh, Nezuko at the end of the uh, first anime season um, that kind of gave me a red flag. Um, again, major spoilers for the film ahead. Uh, I'm super glad that, that did not turn out to be the case. Uh, maybe me being trying to be too smart and cute and genre savvy uh, came back to bite me in this, but I think I actually like that because, you know, this is one of the things where because you like anime so much, 
when you know yeah there are cases where you can uh, you know kind of see what's coming ahead because you're aware of the tropes but when someone kind of subverts that tropes to some degree um it really makes you keeps you guessing and really makes it that you know you really enjoy the film uh in that in that sense um, i also appreciate him as a character given just how much of an impact rengoku had uh on the other characters and the impression he made on us the audience uh, before ultimately dying in combat I have a feeling his death will resonate for many characters in Arcs to Come, kind of similar to how a certain character died in Gurren Lagann, or a certain character has died uh, uh, in Attack on Titan in the most recent season, and how that's kind of drove the protagonists forward uh, to better themselves as individuals. Definitely, this is setting up the next couple of arcs, uh, with an, and also really reset the power ceiling on what we could look forward to uh, in upcoming fights. Uh, you know, I can't say for sure, you know, animation-wise, if there's anything extra given in the film. Um, it always just felt like watching another se- uh, episode of the anime on the big screen, which normally sounds like a bad thing, but Ufa Table's work is already of such a high quality. It's practically movie-level quality film on TV uh, anime anyway. So, yeah, still, you know, this is just a great way to pass two hours in the movie theater, especially after having been away from the cinema for so long. So, yeah, uh, that's Demon Slayer. Obviously, I'm looking very much forward to season two, whenever that airs later this year. Um, as has been announced, though, we don't know which season it's going to air in, though my bet would be on fall uh, 2021. Um, glad to see that this is, you know, get this one off my plan to watch list. Um, I don't think it's the greatest anime of all time by any means. You know, I, I gave it a four out of five on my uh, on my personal rating on my anime list, but definitely a solid series through and through and definitely fun to be part of the wider conversation about whenever that that airs. Um, in any case, you know, let me know what your thoughts on Demon Slayer are. Um, what are your favorite parts? What are your least favorite parts? Um, have you seen the movie? Uh, what about the manga? Um, even maybe the live stage play adaptation. Uh, you can let me know on Twitter at yetanoanipod or via email at yet another anime podcast at gmail.com you can follow my anime list on ninja boy 333 boy with an i uh and move on on all the major podcast services itunes spotify and google play uh, be sure to subscribe and leave a review or at the very least share it with another weeby friend uh, if you want to more directly co- support the show you can do so on patreon at uh and links to all of that will be in the show notes uh intro and outro music is provided by suichi sakagami at tandas.com editing production is provided by ninja boy media uh, that's it for this episode we air on the first and third fridays of each month Next time on yet another anime podcast, uh, not only will I hopefully have caught up on at least some of the spring 2021 anime I'm behind on, I'll be actually starting the first of a three-part series of watching yet another film series uh, on my plan to watch list. Uh, The complete filmography of Studio Ghibli, starting with the works of Isao Takahata. Until then, see you space cowboy.